got something that I want to show you this morning. So if you were at family meeting this last week, you would have heard Dan say that all the um, below ground work was done and that we were about to see above ground work begin to happen. And all of a sudden, this sprang up this week. So now when you drive past, you can actually see it from the road. So that was pretty exciting. So they are now putting the steel structure in place. So just wanted to keep you updated on that. Hey, how many people are going with us as a church through Igniting Faith? Hands big, big, big. Okay, we have not, for those of you, I know some of you have still wanted to pick up the books. We literally have nine copies left back at the hub. So once those are gone, they're gone. So if you still need one of those books, it's not too late to go through that with us and I'd encourage you to grab it. So show me again, how many are going through Igniting Faith? Oh, good job. Okay, I want you to just yell out a little bit to me. What, like one line-ish, what's been impacting you? And the church goes silent. It's been super good, huh? Come on, come on. Fellowship? You loving the fellowship? Okay, what else? Well, back from the conference, give me something. We're, on a, we're in a series here, so I want us to connect into what, what God's been saying, what we've been learning. Laughter? It's good to laugh at the lies of the enemy. Yes. What else? So the de- declarations has been really powerful. Somebody said Hope. The confident expectation that good is coming. Super powerful. What else? Negativity fast is awesome. The feast on positive things. Good. One more. That sounded like, what? Identity. Good. Okay, so I'm glad you guys are feasting on some good stuff. Now, how many were here last week when Nathan spoke? Oh, good. Good, good. If you didn't get, if you weren't here, it was an excellent word. And I'd really encourage you to listen online because when we had Steve Backlin come and we did the conference and, and that launched us into a series where we're doing Igniting Faith together. We've been talking about outrageous faith. And the idea of it was that we would take what Steve bought about the word on hope and then get really intentional about building hope in our lives. It's one of the reasons we're going through Igniting Faith together as a church family. It's the reason we're gathering and grow tribes is because it takes intentionality to build good foundations, right? Yes, Carla. <laughs> Actually, I agreed that I wasn't going to say that anymore. <laughs> but, but really, it, it's because we don't build faith by accident. And why is faith important? Why is faith important? What? What? It's what hope is built on. I actually believe faith springs from hope, but that's okay. Why is faith important? We can't please God without it. Everything in our Christian life, I would say, springs from faith. In fact, I'll share with you Hebrews 4, 3. It says, for those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. Faith activates the promise. Our faith, our belief, our confident attachment of what we believe to something is what is the great activator of the kingdom. So it's super important to examine what we believe because what we believe directly impacts what we experience, right? We know that. What we believe directly impacts what we experience because we know everything in life is internal to external. And what I loved about Nate's message last week is that he brought out something, I felt like he brought out something really, really important when he talked about where is God in disappointment? Because the thing that we don't wanna do is have what he called a plastic faith or an insincere faith, which means what we don't wanna do is pretend that we believe something that we actually don't. So what we don't wanna do is put on a behavior over top of a faulty belief system and show up looking as if we believe something without examining our hearts to make sure whether we actually do or not. And, and we met as a grow, our grow tribe met this last week and, and it's something that we, we kind of talked through as a group of like, 
that, that concept of like, how do you wrestle through some of these declarations without be, becoming, I think what somebody called it, a happy, clappy Christian. You know that song, like I'm in right, out right, up right, down right, happy all the time. Uh, but, but am I? Am I? In right, out right, up right, down right, happy all the time. You know, because sometimes we actually have to wrestle through the fact that, wait a minute, I'm not happy all the time. And so I don't want to declare something without examining, is it actually true? Right? And what Nathan did last week in his message was give us permission to acknowledge places of grief and pain. What, what Nathan did was give us permission to acknowledge places of disappointment and acknowledge that sometimes there is a gap between the things that I want to be and the reality that I find myself in. And then go, what are we going to do with that gap? But it starts with being honest about it with ourselves if there is a gap there. And I want to tell you, when those things come up, it doesn't mean that you don't have faith. It doesn't mean that you don't have faith when sometimes you find yourself in a gap between what you feel and what you're trying to declare. What The journey towards faith and the journey towards intentionally building faith in our lives is actually designed to expose those areas. There's actually a pressure that comes on that's supposed to expose it so that when it comes to the surface, we get to say, oh, there's a gap here. What am I going to do about it? And, you know, another question that came up in our Grow Tribe this week was we asked each other, are we comfortable saying the declarations out loud? And we wrestled through a little bit, like, why do we get so uncomfortable saying these, some of these things out loud? You know, there were some things that we were okay with kind of going over in our heads, but like the confident declaration of certain things we were struggling with. And the conclusion that I came to, at least, is I feel like when we declare something out loud, it tends to expose whether we believe it in our hearts or not. You know, if I start to declare something out loud, you know, like let the weak say I am strong, for example, and I start declaring I'm strong, I'm, I start to go to declare out loud I'm strong, it tends to rise up in my heart if I actually don't believe it. It tends to rise up in my heart if there is a but, 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 uh, actually I'm not strong right now. Have you seen me lately? And there's this thing that rises up in our heart. Okay, Good. Maybe it's just a season where the, as we pursue faith, certain places that are, are rooted in other things are supposed to come to the surface. So we have an opportunity to refine our faith. And you know, it's interesting that Gabe read this scripture in, in connection time this morning, because that's the first scripture I have for you, it is as believers, we take this position in ourselves that says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift my anxious cares. See if there is a path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that leads me back to you. And this is one of my favorite scriptures of keeping us in this place of like sincerity before the Lord, of never being afraid of the fact that there's a goal that I'm going for in the Lord, and yet there's sometimes a gap in my experience. And in those places that we turn with an honest heart back to the Lord and say, hey, search me, show me, reveal me, because I trust you and I trust your ways to take me back and to put me on course with you. You know, and, and even as we were in worship this morning, the picture that I saw in worship, even as, as Michelle was kind of bringing us to go after any place of anxiety, is have you ever gone bowling with little kids? All right, and the first few bowls are like, well, bam, gutter, gutter, gutter. And then you do that thing where you put up the, the, the gutter guards along the side and suddenly everything is a strike. It just bounces off until it finds its way back to the middle. And, and, and sometimes there's things come off in our, in our lives and, it, and, it, and we don't want it to tank us. I feel like it's more of a picture of the Lord brings up just one of those gutter guards. Hey, let's bring you back to my glorious everlasting ways. 
It's just a, hey, let's not go here. Let's just bounce back and get back on course. And so we just, we take the gentle course correction, right? And the reality is, is that Nathan last week brought out the idea to me that faith has different expressions. You know, suddenly, sometimes faith has the suddenly moment, and I love the suddenly moments. To be honest, and, I, and I, with what Karen and Michelle went after this morning, we're, we're seeing an increase in healing in our house lately. We're having healing miracles happen almost every single week, and the testimonies are coming back during the week, and I love it. I love it that people are coming in on a Sunday morning in one way and leaving in a different way. I love it that people who don't even believe in healing are getting healed when they come here on Sundays. That's some of our testimonies. And I love the suddenly moments, but the other reality is that faith is also expressed through endurance. I just wanna bring back a quote that Nathan brought us last week. It's impossible to grow in faith without growing in faithfulness. And it's impossible to grow in faithfulness when all your prayers are answered right away. But when you endure delays, disappointments, and discouragements without giving up or backing down, when you keep beating on heaven's doors with bruised knuckles in the dark, these are the unlikely conditions in which your faith fills up, fills out and eventually becomes full. And what do we call this kind of defiance? The slow and steady seasoning of faith. We have come to call it faithfulness because it is precisely that. Faith filled up with frustration, failure, and pain is what simple faith looks like in maturity, the fulfillment of the cross. I like the idea of faith looking like faithfulness because in my experience, the journey of faith has yet to look like me constantly floating on a cloud of confidence all the time. I have not yet walked through every situation in my life with perfect faith. Faith is something that I've had to fight for. Faith is something that I've had to choose. Faith has had to come through honest exchanges with God when faith was the last thing that I felt. And so what, one of the things that we have to be aware of is that building endurance in our life is an expression of faith. And I want you to, to take you back to James 1, verse two to four. Consider it all joy. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. That the testing of your faith produces endurance. So there's something that the Lord allows us to go through when the pressure comes on that's actually supposed to produce endurance, that's supposed to produce the type of faithfulness that was described. And that word endurance, and I love this word because it means the quality that does not surrender to circumstance or succumb to trial. The quality that does not surrender to circumstance or succumb to trial. So there's this journey that we are going on to build a level of faithfulness in our lives that when testing and when trial comes, I stay steady and I stay even. I stop doing the roller coaster thing, right? There's a steadiness and an evenness that comes into my heart when endurance is birthed as an expression of faith. Now the word endurance actually, like the actual translation is to abide under, is what it means. To abide under, and it's a word that's strongly associated with hope. What's hope? The confident expectation that good is coming. The confident expectation that good is coming. And I, I want to add Hebrews 6.19 that says, this hope we have is an anchor to our soul. A hope that is sure and steadfast, which enters in within the veil. And, and I'd add from the Passion Translation, the certain hope is like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. And the picture that, the word picture that it creates is that in our lives, as we build this endurance, as we build faithfulness, it actually creates an anchor that anchors my soul into God himself. 
that I become so anchored there that whenever, whatever happens in life, when the trials come, like James describes, that I actually have this anchor in me that looks up into heaven and looks at God himself and looks at his character and looks at his nature. And from that perspective, look back at what's going on in my life. And because I've built hope and I've built this confident expectation in his character, I actually can look back at circumstances that are going on and be like, well, I don't know how, but this is actually going to turn for good. My victory has already been declared. This thing will not overcome me, whatever it is. And so because I see him, it defines the way that I see life. And that exchange is complete when I actually can respond to trials with joy. Like when I can respond to trials with joy, it's because I have built so much confidence in his character that I know that this trial is actually going to end up in victory and I'm going to be better off for it. The reality is, is we're headed on that journey, right? And I'm going to remind you from when Steve was here, how we know whether we're on the journey or not. And I'm going to bring you back to Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to remind you what Steve said, that increasing peace, increasing hope, and increasing joy is your indication that you're anchored into God. Decreasing peace, decreasing joy, and decreasing hope is your indication that you are not. And so what, where I want to pick up from last week is the, you know, from what Nathan bought, I want to pick up for, and go into, but how do we get there? How do we build this kind of faithfulness in our lives? Are we yet at a place of perfect endurance? the quality that does not surrender to circumstance or succumb to trial. Is anybody there yet? Because you can leave prayer ministry after service. So how do we continue to build that into our lives? How do we continue to get there? And, and, and here's the key question that I would ask you on that journey. And here's the question I would say is, what voice are you listening to? What voice are you listening to? And, and I, this is a super important question and, and I'm gonna put up some scriptures in here as, as to say why. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, we, we were in a planning meeting not that long ago and sometimes when I get in too many meetings back to back, which was this day, I get really combative because now I'm just tired, I'm just done. And we, it's funny when we go through planning meetings because all of us have like slightly different preferences towards worship songs. And, and Tanner one day was showing us this new song because we're in this series going through, about faith and, and, and the chorus of it was God give us faith. And, and me in my comp particularly competitive mode was like, I don't like that song. Because my pet peeve is songs where we ask God to do things that He's already provided for us to do ourselves. I actually don't like songs that allow us to stay passive, like we're waiting here for God to do something when we can get up and actually do it. And Tanner and I had a great exchange. We're good friends. And he wasn't wrong because he said, Carla, faith is also a gift. I'm like, true, true. So I'm like, so can you write a song that says, God, I'm reading your, my Bible and I'm listening to your voice and because I'm doing everything that I know how to do to build faith in my life, can you also give me the gift of faith? <laughs> I, I'm not saying I was right. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the voice of God and we get a choice what we hear. And if we want faith in which we access everything in the kingdom, we sure might wanna make listen, be careful about what we're listening to. Let me add another, another one. The parable of the sower. 
You, you know, and I've preached out this a couple of times when the, Jesus gives the parable about the sower coming to sow the word and the soil of the heart is in all sorts of different condition and the soil of the heart depends on how much fruit is produced out of any kind of word. And at the end, in Mark 4, it says, be careful how you hear. And in Luke 8, it says, be careful what you hear. Be careful how you hear, be careful what you hear. And both those statements are tied directly to the idea of the Word of God producing fruit or not producing fruit in your life. And it's so, I was a little bit annoyed actually because I went looking in the commentaries to be like, hey, tell me more about this. And the commentary on both of them said, this is a very weighty principle. Could you tell me more? And that's all it would tell me. It's a very weighty principle. But Galatians 3, 2 and 5 says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Does he then who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So the idea when it says, be careful what you hear and be careful how you hear, it is number one, you've got to be really careful what it is that you're listening to. But number two, it's not enough that you just sit and let stuff wash over you. It's really going to be about what I choose to attach my faith to. Be careful how you hear is as you hear it, what are you attaching your expectation to? What are you attaching your faith to? What am I going to choose to allow to grow in the soil of my heart, right? And what am I going to hold fast to in the day to day? Because when you look at the parable of the sower, and I'm not gonna get into it, but what you see in the parable of the sower is this tension of a word comes and then all sorts of things come up to challenge that word. So just because the word is thrown doesn't mean that it gets to grow because there's things that are coming up to challenge. And so then it comes back to what am I choosing to cultivate in my life? And I wanna just address a couple of the things that often come up to challenge a word. I wanna, I wanna talk about the voice of the past and I wanna talk about the voice of circumstance. And I'm gonna start by talking about the voice of the past. And, I actually had the privilege of teaching at YWAM Kona. I just got back last week and I get to teach there a couple times a year and they invite me to come and teach Identity Week at the DTS, which is so much fun. And what I, I have the privilege of being a part of a week, man, Identity Week is, it has the opportunity to be really transformative. And getting to be there in a room with students who are going through the journey of transformation, it's, man, we do three hour teaching sessions at a time. For those of you who think I preach too long on a Sunday, three hours at a time. And they are like leaning in. But what I get to do is watch them as I begin to talk about, hey, who you believe you are is gonna define the outcome of your life. We start there. Right? As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And I talk about how belief defines the way you think and the way that you think defines the way you feel and the way you feel defines the way that you behave. So if you have a behavior problem, we better go look at your belief problem, right? And, and I know this is stuff that we've taught about here, but I get to watch through the course of 12 hours and we do activations and we do a lot of sharing. And I watch these students begin to get really vulnerable and begin to open up these places in their lives where they're like, oh my goodness, I have believed all my life that I'm stupid. And you're telling me that that's not true. I'm like, no, God's telling you that's not true. You know, they start going, I have believed. And it's so interesting, the first day the women tend to open up their hearts and it's the second day that the men tend to. And when the men break in the room, it's like the whole room breaks open. And these men in tears begin to say, I've believed that if anybody really knew me, they would never really love me. And I'm starting to recognize I've never let anybody close with tears. 
And I get to be a part of those moments and, and I come home knowing that we've taught this message here before, but going, I am compelled to make sure that we know that we know that we know this here as a body. That what we believe about who we are so defines the outcome of our lives. And most of us tend to start with a belief system that's shaped from our past experience. And when we hold on to that, it often becomes a limitation around our lives. And there's this point where the word is sown and the voice of God comes. And when the past comes up to challenge it, we make a choice. What voice are we going to listen to to define the outcome of our lives? And so many of the stories begin to come out. You know, one girl that I talked to has this moment where she's like, I have this clear memory. She's like, I was three or four years old. And she said, my dad told me to shut my mouth because everything that came out of my mouth was stupid. One sentence. One sentence. And she's like, I've believed all my life that I'm stupid. And, And you're like, wow, what is God saying? And it's like, the light bulb goes on and she's like, God just told me that I'm brilliant. And I'm like, do you believe it? And she's like, I don't know. It's been a really long time. You know, there's a, another woman who had gone through a really, really painful divorce. And she's like, I've believed that I can only ever have a plan B for my life because I'm divorced. Plan A was no longer available to me. Like, yeah, what's God saying? And just these things where the past begins to get undone in the moment where the voice of God comes and says, actually, that's not true, that's a lie. And it's so interesting, and this is another question we, wrestled, we asked ourselves in the Grow Tribe. Why is it that the negative voices from our past tend to be the ones with so much power? Why are they the ones, why can one sentence that says shut your mouth because everything that comes out of it is stupid become such a statement that is empowered to define her for the next 20 some years? When we could hear 10 other positive things and yet that one's somehow the one that becomes entrenched in our hearts, why is it easier to believe the negative and the positive sometimes feels too good to be true? You know, and I believe, obviously, it's a spiritual battle. I believe it's a spiritual component to it. I believe in Ephesians where it says, the God of this world has filled the atmosphere. And I think there's an atmosphere filled with shame and negativity that wants to keep us locked into those. And when God comes and His voice comes, we have to choose. I just want to show it to you from Scripture. We know the story of Gideon, right? The angel of the pit. Now, Gideon is hiding in this moment. Remember, he's, the, the Midianites have oppressed the people for a really long time. He's hiding. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. He's hiding away in a cave. And, and the angel of the Lord appears to him and says to him, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Now, I just wanna stop here and say something because, you know, a lot of us are like, well, you know, I just... The time that I most often hear people say, I don't really know if I hear the voice of God is when God says something positive. To be honest, in all the ministry that we do, people can hear, seem to have less problems hearing words for somebody else saying, I had a dream, I had this. But when you ask them what God is saying about them, there's this insecurity that begins to rise up that says, actually, well, I don't really know if I hear God's voice. Like, oh, what's that? You know, and so then we think like if we're hearing God's voice for ourselves, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe I need an angel. Maybe I need an audible voice. And I just want to point out from Scripture that even when the angel shows up, you look at it for Gideon, you look at it in the burning bush with Moses, it's still all the negative voices from the inside that comes up. So I would like to say to you, even if you had an angel come into your room and tell you those positive things, you still have to deal with the negative voice from your past. So an angel stands before Gideon and calls him, 
a valiant warrior. And look at his response. Well, my God, if the Lord is with us, why has then this happened to us? And where are the miracles? But God has abandoned us given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord said, go in the strength, in the strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And he said to him, O Lord, how should I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least and I am the youngest. What happened when God came and declared a word over him, the voice of his family and the voice of his past, I am the least, I am the youngest, surely the Lord. All the reasons and the narrative that says, why not, why not, why not, why not? If that happens inside of you, you're not in poor company. I want you to look, at, I want to look at Moses. And I want to look first at how Moses is described in Acts first. Listen to this. Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power and word and deed. But when he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. And he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting deliverance through him. Look, I want to point out two things here. Number one, that it says Moses was powerful in word and deed. And I want to point out that it says Moses supposed that they would know that he was granting deliverance through him. Moses knew that he was a deliverer. He knew it. It, it was inside of him. But, but through, you know, through his own way of trying to get that into being, and he ends up in the wilderness, and he ends up in the wilderness for 40 years before his burning bush moment. And when his burning bush moment comes, and Exodus shows, when God shows up in, the, in Exodus, and he says, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry. I'm aware of their sufferings. I have come to deliver them. Therefore, now go, because I'm sending you. Moses, who 40 years ago knew that he was a deliverer, now responds and says, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? This is paraphrased now through a whole chunk. Then Moses said, but what if they don't believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say the Lord has not appeared to you. And then the greatest lie, that one of the big lies that he took on, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent. Well, I don't think that's true because that's not what it says in Acts 7. Neither recently nor in time past, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. What happened is 40, one bad experience in 40 years in the wilderness retrained what he believed about himself. So Moses, who once knew that he was a deliverer when his time and his call came, is like, that's not me. Send somebody else. I don't have it in me. And in and, and both the case of Gideon and Moses, God has, you know, God's like, hey, 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 is every argument inside of them that comes up against the call. And that's what happens to us. Is as we invite these things into our lives and as we go after building faith, as the word of the Lord comes, there's gonna be certain things in our hearts that are gonna come up and challenge the narrative, right? There's certain things that begin to get exposed so that as we start making declarations, like I am full of peace and I am full of joy and I have wisdom for every decision that I'm gonna make and I am anointed and called and appointed and God is with me and things are gonna change when I come into the room. As we start making those kind of declarations and your heart goes, wait a minute, that's not true. It is an excellent opportunity to check and see if there's any voice of the past that is telling me that somehow I am less than that, that we have not yet dealt with. You know, I, I, I loved what Steve said when he said, we don't deny our past, we just don't get our beliefs from it. So there's things that we have to bring before God and allow, and, and, and it's the same thing as I told the people at the YOMDTS when they have, we go through this journey and we activate the voice of God and I say, write it down. And then they say, what do we do now? And I say, you now have a choice. Nobody else can do this for you. You have a choice of what voice you're gonna feed yourself on every day. 
Every day you have a choice whether you're gonna listen to the voice of what God says about you or whether you're gonna get to choose to go back to the voice of your past. But I'm gonna tell you what you choose is gonna define the outcome of your life. Make sure you know what you're choosing. Then I wanna talk about the voice of circumstance. You know, back to James 1, when it says, Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. I, that verse used to always bum me out. I'm like, oh, you know, I just really would love more of a journey that following Jesus means no trials. I mean, that would be, to be honest, my preferred path. And yet it seems like that's not what's promised. It seems like trials come as a part of the package which means that we won't, it doesn't mean that we won't feel pain. I don't see that promised either. It doesn't mean that we won't feel disappointment. It doesn't mean that we won't feel guilt, grief. It's really what it means is how are we gonna navigate our heart through those circumstances, through those experiences, and through those emotions. You know, and I said this before, is really the true place of victory is that a trial for a believer can be used for my good. The place of victory for a believer is that anything that comes at me, I can emerge victorious and stronger because of it, right? And if you really look into this James 1 passage, it gives you the idea that when trials come, they get to act like a little bit of a pressure cooker. So there's this pressure that comes on you and kind of begins to squeeze you. And what you want to do is to have a look at what pops out when you're squeezed. Because what comes out when you're squeezed is actually supposed to be Do that so it perfects you. That's the journey of that verse. So God allows in His grace certain things to come and it begins to put pressure on you. And what you want to do instead of reacting like crazy to your circumstance, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to me. It's like, what is coming up and out of me in this moment? Is it attached to faith? Is it anchored in the character and nature of God? Or am I a ginormous victim? Am I powerless over this world that's around me, that's out to get me? Because whatever gets exposed becomes your opportunity. It becomes your opportunity to deal with whatever belief system is in your heart and to upgrade your faith. So it's okay that it comes out. It's actually supposed to happen. It's what do I do with it next? It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm a bad Christian and I don't have faith and I don't have trust. No, no, take the opportunity to build deeper trust. Take the opportunity to examine what belief system just popped up out of your heart because trials will reveal places where your faith is shallow. Which is okay, just don't stay there. And I wanna show you this from scripture as well. Numbers 13. This is the point where Israel has come out of the promised land. Moses has led them out. You saw all the miracles that happened to get them out of Egypt. Then they come up to the Red Sea, the Red Sea parts. They go on a short journey. And so they come out and now they're on the edge of the promised land. And all along it has been promised to them, I will take you to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And now they're right there on the edge of it. The spies go in, they come back and give their report. And they come back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community and they report to them and show them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone with him said, we cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, we let the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. 
And I wanna contrast this scripture with something else as well. I wanna show you Joshua 2. Because what happened is they got too afraid to go in. They rebelled against Moses. They said, take us back to Egypt. They tried to appoint a new leader. And what happened? They ended up in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Back to the wilderness you go for 40 years. Well, 40 years later, they come back to the promised land. The spies go back in again and they're in Rahab's house. And this is what Rahab says to them. She says, before the spies go lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said, I know the Lord has given you this land and the great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting of fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you for the Lord your God is the God of heaven above and the earth below. What does that tell you? When did their hearts melt in fear? 40 years ago. When the Red Sea was dried up, they knew that they were a defeated foe. Do you understand what the difference between the truth was and when the Israelites allowed their circumstances to look so big that they had abandoned a promise? The truth was that they already had a defeated foe. The people who lived in the city already knew that they were gonna lose. And yet Israel walks up all the way to the edge of the promised land, takes one look at the size of the people and says, we are grasshoppers, get us out of here. How much does it matter that you listen to the right voice in the middle of circumstance? Like how much does it matter? 40 years in the wilderness that was completely unnecessary while a whole generation died off because they allowed it to be defined by what they could see. And when they looked at it, they abandoned the promise. They abandoned the voice of the Lord that had promised them the land. And the reality is, is God actually didn't tell them that there would be giants in the land. Why? I think it's irrelevant. I think giants were irrelevant in God's economy. But I also believe that there was a point that their faith had to be tested. And I think both things happen to us. We come up and we pursue things and we go after promises and sometimes we walk up against things that are gonna be giant, look like giants to us. And in that moment, it so matters. Are we going to respond based on what we see with our physical eyes or are we gonna press into the promise and listen to a voice of hope that's over us? You know, one of the girls at the Y, just when I was in Kona, she comes up to me at the end of the week and she's like, man, I started listening to what you were saying and I, and I you know, started to hear truth. And she's like, I went, I can't remember what it was that she was doing, but she went to go somewhere in whatever way it was an act of faith for her and she got a flat tire. And she said, I'm on the side of the road with my flat tire. And she says, I start thinking, this always happens to me. This is the, you know, I try to do things and something always goes wrong. It's the pattern of my life. I don't know why the universe is against me. Like I might as well give up. And she's like, for the first time, I recognized that it's the wrong voice. The universe is not against me. It's just a flat tire. Fix it and keep going. I'm like, yes, right? Yes. The universe is not against you. Sometimes we get flat tires. So just, we got to come back to his voice so that we don't let circumstances dictate to us what we're gonna do. And, And you know, there's plenty of other voices. There's the voice of fear. There's the voice of anxiety. There's performance, there's accusation. There's the voice of the victim. Man, that one's hard. But really my point is, is, What you listen to is gonna shape what you believe. And I just wanna give us that real, like, be careful what you hear. Because we build faith and we build faithfulness by listening to the voice of hope. 
We build faith and we build faithfulness by listening to the voice of hope. And and one of the guys, uh, when I was there, he just shared like, man, I never let anybody close. I've realized I've had this whole pattern of my life. And then he goes, man, do you know what? I don't even look people in the eyes when I talk to them. He's in his 40s. I, don't, I can't even look people in the eyes when I talk to him. He's like, how can I look people in the eyes? I wanna to learn to have the confidence to look people in the eyes. And I just said to him, you, you know, kingdom is internal to external. Beloved, I pray that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. I'm like, start listening to that voice on a daily basis that's gonna feed prosperity of soul because your behavior will follow. I'm like, if you feed yourself on what God is saying over you and you feed yourself on the voice of hope and you feed yourself on who He says you are, the strength that is gonna build up on the inside is gonna be what lifts your head. I'm like, put your attention there. Put your attention there. You know, um, and, and I'm gonna have to skip over a little bit here, but here's what it looks like for me. Is there, you know, when strongholds get identified in my life, when stuff comes up, you know, one of the strongholds I really wrestled with was like really feeling like just really having too strong of a trust in money to feel like and needing a certain amount of money to feel safe. That was something that came up in my life over and over and over again. And, and, you know, you'd have moments where you'd realize it. And, you know, the fruit of some of that stuff is not the fruit that I want in my life. Like, you know, Proverbs says that the generous people will rule the city. But if I've got a stronghold that says I need money, it's really hard to be generous. And so there's things that get exposed along the way and I'm like, God set me free, God set me free, God set me free. Well, I've never had that suddenly moment, but what happened was when I was in the scripture, um, a, a verse from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 in the Passion Translation like got highlighted to me, which says this, we acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. And that, for whatever reason, that verse had such heat on it that I started like declaring it over myself. And I started speaking it. And I started like daily encountering that verse. God, I acknowledge you as my provider of all I need each day. God, I acknowledge you as my provider of all I need each day. And then what I found was when anxiety thoughts started to come or when things, and I was tempted to go in a certain way, I was starting to build this resource that went, wait a minute, no. God, I acknowledge you as my provider of all I need each day. And you sit and you start feeding yourself on that voice enough until that's the one that becomes true to you. And some of like, the other ones start to lessen and the one that you're fed becomes the bigger reality. And, and the more normal that became, I'm like, man, that's powerful. And I've picked up a new one. My new one is from James. It says, if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. You know, when I start to feel insecure in the decisions that I make, God, if anyone longs to be wise, you say that if I ask for wisdom, you'll give it. That means I have wisdom, access to wisdom every time I ask. That means I don't have to be afraid. Well, what starts happening at first when you start doing that? I'll tell you what starts happening. You start going, well, that can't possibly mean that I'm gonna be perfect in every decision that I make. but I'm the least in my family and I'm the youngest. See, you start saying all these things and all the things that are on the inside are gonna come up and challenge it. And then I go, okay, God, what do you say about that? I'm not gonna pretend that means I'm gonna be perfect in every situation. So God, this is the voice that's challenging your word. What do you have to say? You know what he said? Sometimes you'll learn wisdom through failure. Oh, okay. Okay, and so we go back to, we, we pick up the word and we begin to feed ourselves. Oh God, I acknowledge you as a provider of all I need every day. And we feed and we meditate and we choose the voice of hope. Over and over and over again until that thing becomes, it comes up like any type of voice of anxiety tries to come, boom, the bumper system comes up. Oh no, we don't do that, Right? I 
I love the promise of John 10, my sheep hear my voice. And as we follow his voice, it leads us into abundance. As we follow his voice, it leads us to hope, it leads us to joy, it leads us to peace. But it's that continued discipline of I take every thought captive. I examine its source and then I choose which thought do I let go into the soil of my heart and take root and bear fruit. Okay? So what I just did for you this morning, what I wanted you to do, because I wanted us to have an encounter with the voice of hope. And so I grabbed some scriptures that have meant something to me and I put them up here. And, and I just want you to take a minute to review them and be like, God, is there one of these that you want me to lay hold of? Is there one of these that you want me to grab hold of? And maybe it's not one of these. If none of these stand out for you, I just want you to ask, God, what is the voice of hope speaking over my life right now? What is the personal voice of hope that I want to lay hold of and contend with and put to work in my life and use it to drown out any other voice that would try and come against me? So I'm just going to give you a minute. You can, you can go to these scriptures. You can ask God for yourself. I just want us to walk out of here with a sense of this is what the voice of hope is speaking over me. And I am going to renew my mind with that thing. Got something? Got something? Yeah? Okay, how about you stand up? We're going to pray but I want you to turn and wave. I meant to do this at the start. Say hi to Stephen Lorraine Box back here. Great friends of our house, have an amazing marriage ministry. Love that they're here with us this morning. Okay, we're gonna pray. How about you close your eyes? Jesus, we invite your voice again. Jesus, we invite the voice of hope to be the anchor over our lives. And God, if there is any place that the voice of the past or the voice of circumstance has spoken so loud that we haven't been able to hear your voice, God, we ask that you would cancel its power right now in the name of Jesus. And we invite a fresh word of hope. We invite a fresh word of truth to come from heaven. But God, I just pray that not only will you release the word of hope in the hearts of us this morning, but God, I just ask for the strength inside of each one of us. I ask for the courage inside of each one of us to go after the relentless renewing of our minds. I just ask that we would begin to build strongholds of truth inside our hearts. I just ask that we, our ears would become so tuned to the voice of the shepherd that every other voice would be drowned out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, we have a ministry team up here. They love to pray. Miracles are happening every single week. So if you need prayer, come and get it. Otherwise, have an amazing week. And we will see you next week.